Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans today, being the 26th day of October, 2020. The time now is 9.36 a.m. Today is the 26th day of October, 2020. The time is 9.37 a.m. And today is Monday. We bless the Lord for bringing us back, keeping us safe in our sound mind. I pray that everyone that received this message today will be well in their sound mind, still with the love of God in them and the joy of the Lord, which is your strength and his grace is sufficient. Whatever you're going through, his grace is sufficient. And we just, we just worship him. We're going to, we're going to praise him. We're going to praise him this morning, but before I go into praises, I want to read a scripture. It's about praise and worship. The word of God says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, Harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest." The word of the Lord and then the power of God is all powerful, all knowing the power of God. Psalm 97 says, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserved the souls of his saints. He delivered them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Bless the Lord, O 
my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like ever before, oh, my soul, and worship his holy name. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority, flow from his throne unto his own, his anthem raise. So exalt lift up on high the name of jesus magnify come glorify christ jesus the king majesty worship his majesty jesus who died now glorified King of all kings, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longed after thee you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship thee you alone are my strength my shield to you alone doth my spirit Yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone doth my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Faithful, faithful, faithful is our God. Faithful, faithful, faithful is our God. I'm reaping the harvest God promised me. Take back from the 
what the devil stole from me and i rejoice today and i will recover it all i will rejoice today and i will recover it all faithful 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 is our god faithful 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 is our god i'm reaping the harvest god promised me take back from the devil stole from me and i will rejoice today and i will recover it all i will rejoice today and i will recover it all i just want to praise you lift my hands and say i love you you are everything to me and i exalt your holy name i exalt your holy name i exalt your holy name on high i just want to praise you lift my hands and say i love you you are everything to me and i exalt your holy name i exalt your holy name i exalt your holy name on high let us exalt him let us magnify his name because his name is above all 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 name his name is wonderful jesus name above all names beautiful savior glorious lord emmanuel god is with us blessed redeemer living word jesus name above all names beautiful savior glorious lord emmanuel god is with us blessed redeemer living word what a wonder he oh he's so wonderful jesus jesus what a wonder you are jesus 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 what a wonder you are jesus 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 what a wonder you are oh jesus what a wonder you are lion of the tribe of judah what a wonder you are lion of the tribe of judah 
What a wonder you are, oh Jesus, what a wonder you are. Lion of the tribe of Judah, what a wonder you are. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah, what a wonder you are, oh Jesus, what a wonder you are. Father, we just thank you this morning for your Holy Spirit. And this is certainly the day that you have made and we are rejoicing and we are going to be glad in it. And Holy Spirit, without you, I could do nothing. So Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you've given me a voice to speak. I do not take it for granted because there's many in the grave who cannot praise you. There are many on their sickbed of affliction who cannot praise you. But as long as we have breath, let us continue to praise the Lord. So this morning, today, we thank you that you're gonna teach us the results of worship when we choose to worship because you're not going to force us to worship but we pray that he will accept our praise worship results when god accepts our praise and manifests his presence but there is a difference between praise and worship praise is both a precursor to and a part of worship but the two are not the same. Praise is something we do, while worship is something God releases. We initiate praise. It comes from within our hearts. We initiate it, it's a choice. We initiate praise. It comes from within our hearts. As we perfect or mature our praise, as we come into one accord with one another, and as our spirit aligns with God's spirit, he, God, releases his presence into our midst. That mingling of God's presence with our praise is called worship. Someone wanted to know, explain, explain worship, explain praise. Now you're getting it. I'm sure you're going to get this, this, this teaching. We initiate, we, Shirley, Joy, Kathy, Jalita, Leela. We have to initiate praise. It's our choice. It comes from within our hearts. We, as we perfect or mature our praise, as we come into one accord with one another, and as our spirit aligns with God's spirit, He, God, releases His presence into our midst. That mingling of God's presence with our prayer, with, with us, that mingling of God's presence with our praise 
is called worship. I want to say that. When we mingle, that mingling of God's presence with our praise is called worship. Worship then begins with us as we lift up our praise. That's what we were doing a few minutes ago. But it ends with God as he releases his presence among us. True worship requires both. We can praise the Lord until we're blue in the face. We can sing all sorts of songs, even wake up a hot and, you know, and you sweat and sweat and, oh, we had a good time. But no, was it truly praise and worship? So we could, we could sing all sorts of songs. We could wake up a heart and holy sweat by our efforts. But if God's presence does not come down, we have not worshipped. On the other hand, God cannot release his presence without worshippers to receive him. If it is true that we seek God's presence, it is equally true that he seeks worshipers. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. That's John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. To worship in spirit and truth has the idea of mingling with God's spirit to spirit, with our hearts attuned to his heart and our thoughts attuned to his thoughts. Can I say that again? To worship in spirit and in truth has the idea of mingling with God's spirit to spirit with our hearts attuned to his heart and our thoughts attuned to his thoughts. In fact, worship literally means really, as far as the Greek word is concerned, it means to kiss. To make homage to prostrate oneself in homage. I mean, really humbling your heart, position of your heart, to kiss him. Worship means, then means, to kiss the hand toward as in showing honor and obeisance to loyalty. Well, I, I know there are some ministers who has a position and I understand you have to, to reverence them, you have to kiss them on their hand, on that ring. When you go before the queen, um, She's going to put her, put her, put her hand, in other words, what would kiss my hand, <laughs> as in showing honor and obeisance to royalty. 
It is also a word suggestive of intimate contact, of being in the very presence of someone of great importance and of a companion who is always at his master's side. Any way you look at it, worship involves intimacy. Worship takes place when God dwells in our praise and begins to mingle with us. In a sense, we get close enough to God to kiss him. Ultimately, worship depends not on us, but on God. God wants nothing more than to mingle with us in unbroken and unhindered fellowship, but it is not automatic. He requires that we desire him and seek him with all our heart. But he also promises that when we do that, we will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 to 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And Isaiah the prophet, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 67 said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man is thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon him. Isn't that awesome? But we have to turn. This is why pure-hearted, wholehearted praise is so important. Without praise, there is absolutely no presence, and without presence, there is no worship. Tragically, this is exactly what happens when week after week, week after week, in thousands of churches all over the world, this is what happens. You have to have a, a pure heart, a wholehearted praise is very important because without praise, there is no presence. And without presence, there is no worship. I'm going to say it again. It happens in thousands of churches all over the world. No praise. They're just making a, 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 a sound. Where you have no praise, there is no presence. Many churches have not experienced genuine worship in years. They follow the same format every week, sing the same hymns, all praise and worship songs the same way all the time, hear the same kinds of powerless prayers and the same insipid sermons every week. As a matter of fact, some people go on a computer to pick it up. Oh, blessed Jesus, help me. And the spirit is as dead as a doornail because their heart is no longer in it. It's just awake. It's just, I got to go to church. You don't go to church. You are the church. 
And if you are the church, you will have that wholehearted praise. So when you reach to the building, which is the denomination, which you're assembling with, with, with believers, you're already coming in there with worship because you are the church. You're not going to church. You are the church. This is true not only in many mainline churches, but in many evangelical and Pentecostal charismatic churches as well. We need a revival. We need an awakening. But we need an awakening in ourselves. And we need a revival in ourselves. We need to get to that brokenness to the point where I'm going to pour out my worship. My worship is for real. God doesn't want it to be this way. He wants to bless us with his presence. The critical issue is the condition of our heart. If we seek God with a humble, hungry, and whole heart, lifting up sincere, heartfelt praise, he will respond by drawing us into his presence if we do that. In this way, we can receive what happened in Eden. The presence was there. We can re recreate the presence through praise. This whole matter of praise and worship also relates to exposing our hidden glory. When we praise God, he sends his presence and his presence releases the glory. When we live in his presence, our glory will come out. That's the way God designed things from the beginning. What this means is that worship involves much more than just the praise of our lips. It also involves the meditations of our heart. Lord, let the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. So it always involves the meditations of our heart and the work that we do. Our worship consists not only of acknowledging God's nature, attributes and character, with our praise and thanksgiving, but also in our work, our good deeds, our service, and our lifestyle. When we live and walk in his presence, everything we say, think, and do becomes an act of worship. Everything. Everything. Lord, you are my everything. So as we learn to exercise our personal praise, as we said yesterday, each one of us have a personal praise ministry. We create the presence around us wherever we go, wherever we go. But praise establishes that environment in which God is pleased to dwell. Praise is agreeing with God concerning himself. We have to have that wholehearted praise. Wholehearted praise maintains, will maintain his presence. As I said, worship results when God accepts our praise 
and manifests his presence. And he says in John chapter 4, he is seeking for the true worshipers. So, if we're seeking God's presence, if we are seeking God's presence, we must be true worshipers. Because without praise, there is no presence. And without presence, there is absolutely no worship. You know how you have the lemon or the orange, but on the outside you have to peel it or you have to cut it to get the juice out of it? Well, he wants to squeeze the glory out of us. He wants to squeeze it out of us. More often than not, the full glory of a thing is not reality. It is not, at first glance, you cannot see it. At first glance of the lemon, you cannot see the juice. So the full glory of a thing is not readily apparent at first glance. I had a lemon this morning. I needed the juice. I had to cut it and I had to squeeze the juice out of it because it is hidden beneath the surface. The juice was hidden beneath the surface. It was on the inside. Glory comes out through a process that inevitably and permanently alters its container. So when I squeezed out that juice, there was no more juice in it. And I squeezed it until just there was just a fiber in there. And so the true glory of that lemon is what I squeezed out. It was a bright color yellow. It's round and beautiful. And the texture of its peel is nice. Although each of these characteristics helps us distinguish a lemon from other kinds of fruit, none of them reveals its full essence, its full glory. The true glory of that lemon is the juice. How do we get juice from the lemon? The only way is to cut open the lemon and squeeze the juice out. Sometimes the little pinch we get, we're like, oh, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and the little little bit of suffering, oh, a little bit of persecution, oh, I can't take it no more. No, no, no. But that process permanently, permanently alters the qualities and appearance of the orange. It is impossible to get lemon juice or orange juice without changing the lemon. There is no way to bring out the glory of a lemon without squeezing it. 
if you don't squeeze it or you don't cut it, no juice coming out. In a similar way, God's glory is in us is not always readily apparent because it is hidden inside these jars of clay. I saw something on, on the news last night where the young people was making the clay. And my gracious, it's amazing. It, 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 it came from the earth. And it was messy, but they were forming it. So God's glory in us is not always readily apparent because that mess, that stuff that come out the ground, you wouldn't think. Apparently because it is hidden inside these jars of clay that we call our bodies. Bringing out that glory will permanently change us. It will permanently change us. It will permanently, permanently change that lemon. It'll permanently change us. God's purpose for us is that we become what he created us to be so that his glory hidden in our jars of clay can shine forth and bring the light of his true nature to a blind and dark world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus charged us to be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. You'll remember, perfect means complete. Perfect means mature. We are to be complete and mature just as our heavenly father, like father, like son, or like daughter. The challenge we face is knowing how to become complete. How do we grow to maturity in Christ? Part of the answer comes in learning simply to trust God to finish what he started. Paul in his letter to Philippians encouraged us to be confident. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, every, I don't know why, but every book that I would have gotten from any writer except one, they wrote in it my name and they wrote in it Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And then one particular writer wrote in it, surely be yourself. And I'm glad he wrote that because everybody wanted me to be conformed to them or to their tradition or to their religion, but I was not in a box. I had to be myself. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul encourages us to be, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter one, verse six. What God has begun, he will complete, having called us to salvation in Christ. God will bring us to full maturity in our faith, provided we learn to yield, provided we learn to follow, and provided we obey him. 
This is a part of what it means to humble ourselves before the Lord. God's part is to bring us to maturity in Christ. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. But our part is to listen to him, to trust him, and to obey him. In the rich environment of this relationship, God will bring out his glory that resides within us. One important principle of maturity that we need to understand is that growth occurs only as we overcome resistance and obstacles. Tests and trials will come, oh yes, every day. I remember one woman said, Miss Evans, you mean you're going through that? You're going through another thing? I thought God was finished. No, uh-uh. We will have the test. We could, we could have the trials over and over. And some trials and tests, you decide that I'm not going through that. And you draw back and you never mature. He gives you the grace to go through it as we yield to him. Tests and trials will come. They are an inescapable part of life, asked Jesus, asked David. Well, David is dead. I'm living, you can ask me. And I could tell you, and I could encourage you, that if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. It's heaven to me. Wherever I be, if he is there, I count it a privilege, Lord, your cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So yes, tests and trials will come. But he's with you. It's a part of life. And they will make us or break us. They will make us or break us depending on our attitude toward them. I always tell people, the longer you murmur and complain, the more you're going to stay in that fire. But the, uh, the longer you stay in that fire and you begin to praise him, you'll see how quick you get out of that test. And here comes another. And as you mature in the test, you learn to praise him. You wouldn't even feel the fire burning you. Praise him. They will make us or break us depending on our attitude toward them. We tend to complain about our trials, but God wants us, God wants to use them, trials and tests, to strengthen us and to bring us to maturity. Listen to what James says, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 and verse 12. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know 
that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. We can look on our trials with joy when we learn to see beyond the trials themselves to God's purpose, to use them to build us up. Tests of our faith develop perseverance, and perseverance leads to maturity and completeness. The climax, the climax of this process is when we receive God's promised crown of life. The completion of our salvation when we are ushered into God's presence forever. So people of God, go through your tests and your trials. He gives us the grace to go through them and praise and worship him while you're going through and you wouldn't feel so burdened. We can look on our trials with joy when we learn to see beyond the trials themselves to God's purpose to use them to build us up. Tests of our fate develop perseverance and perseverance leads to maturity and completeness. But regarding this salvation, Peter writes in 1 Peter was in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. According to Peter, Trials refine and purify our faith like fire refines gold. Just as fire burns out impurities in gold, making it more valuable than before, trials temper and prove the genuineness of our faith. Sometimes you say, I want more faith. Well, you will get more tests and trials and your faith will increase. I, I don't mean to burst your bubbles, but the truth is the truth. The result of faith tested and proven in this way is praise, glory, and honor. Do you really want more faith? Do you really, really, really? I said, Peter said, trials refine and purify our faith like fire refines gold. Just as fire burns out the impurities in gold, making it more valuable than before, trials temper and prove the genuineness of our faith.
the result of faith tested and proven in this way is praise, glory, and honor. So glory comes out under pressure. And you hear people say, oh, I can't take this no more. But, but then you want to stand up and say, oh, child, I'm walking in the glory. You ain't walking in the glory because you have no story. You have not been under pressure. He has not squeezed it out of you because as soon as he starts to squeeze, oh, I can't take this no more. But do you want it? Do you really want the glory to be poured out of you? Do you ask yourself, do I want it? And then you be sing, I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be a vessel you work through. I want to be more like you. I want to be used like you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel you can use. I want to be more like you. Remember now Isaiah 53? It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isaiah was having a vision of our Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, was going to be squeezed to get the glory, would have to go through so much tests and trials. That's what he was talking But it pleased the Lord. So glory comes out under pressure. Oh, yes. It is clear from the scriptures that we read that trials and testing play a vital role in our spiritual maturity and in preparing us to expose our glory. Have you ever wondered why it seems that every time you solve a problem, another problem is waiting to take its place? It's a matter of glory. Glory comes out under pressure. God uses resistance, problems, trials, tests, obstacles to squeeze. The Bahamian had a song, don't squeeze the mango. <laughs> Mango's green, don't squeeze it because it's not ripe yet. But he's going to squeeze. But we have to go through problems, trials, tests, obstacles to squeeze his glory out of us. It's when we are under pressure that we reveal what we're really made of. We really grow much during good times. We, we don't grow, we really, R-A-R-E-L-Y, we really grow much during good times. You're not hardly growing because you have just good times. Throughout history, the church has experienced its greatest periods of growth and effectiveness during hard times. We in hard times now, particularly times of persecution. Ah, but the glory is about to come out. It's about, we're about to see the glory of God. The same is true for each of us as individual believers. We come to know God more 
during difficult times because it is then that he can most reveal his nature, his character and power. Through hard times, God can show us aspects of his nature we would never know otherwise, as well as expose in us glory we never knew was there. In this way, God is magnified and glorified before the nations. He's getting ready to display a lot of you. Take you out of hiding. You've been through much suffering. He's getting ready to put you out on display so the nation can see that it is God in you. The glory is going to be seen. We show the world how big God is by the trials he brings us through. In a sense, our life is like a sponge soaked with God's glory that no one can see until we've squeezed to let it out. We like a tea bag filled with the aromatic leaves of God's life-giving spirit that cannot come out until we are placed in hot water. Now, I make tea during the day, maybe twice a day. So I can pour the water from the tap or the bottle, cold water, and put the bag in it. You stay right there and wait to see how long that's going to draw. We have to be placed in hot water, in the fire. We like a lemon saturated with God's glory juice inside of it. But once it's squeezed, we can make lemonade and we can make our lemonade to sweeten the world with his presence. No one knows what's inside us until God allows us into situations that put us under pressure. I can write 10 books. I've written several, but it's not published yet. And now I can laugh because he has now given me the oil of gladness. He has now given me that joy. He is he's anointed me. He has given me joy now. But in the beginning, there was no joy. But after I've gone through the fire of affliction, oh yeah, he now gave me joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. You know the song says, It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. The half has never yet been told. That's when whatever is inside us, our true self comes out. Pressure is one of the keys to releasing the glory of God in us. If we never faced any challenges, we would never grow. If we never had any problems, how would we learn that God can solve them? You see all this sickness now? But he is a healing God. Well, you wait until his, you wait until this power come. You're going to see so much healing and deliverance and salvation like you never seen before. So, how would we ever learn that God can solve a problem? if we didn't have any problems.
pressure situations teach us to depend on God because they are they they they, they quickly drive us to the end of our own resources. When we reach the end of our rope, God is there ready and waiting to deal with the situation and bring out his glory in us. What we see as problems, God sees as opportunities to manifest his glory. Our challenge is to learn how to stop looking at our circumstances through our own eyes and start seeing them from God's perspective. During this week, two stories I heard yesterday, I realized a woman that I was praying for who had tested positive. She is now negative. There's another woman who I was praying for. She was tested positive. I was praying for the other day and she had to be hospitalized. And now my understanding, I could see in the spirit, I mean, smiling from air to air, my understanding, she's coming out today. So we give glory to God because he is still working on our behalf. So precious situations teach us to depend on God because they quickly drive us to the end of our own resources. When we reach the end of our rope, God is there ready and waiting to deal with the situation and bring out his glory in us. What we see as problems, God sees as opportunities to manifest his glory. Our challenge is to learn how to stop looking at our circumstances through our own eyes and start seeing them from God's perspective. Circumstances are God's gifts to our glory. God brings us into certain circumstances because he wants to show himself off in our lives. He wants us to expose the glory that is within us. And oftentimes the situations of life to help us out. Furthermore, as believers, we never face anything that hasn't passed through God first. Whatever God allows to come to us is for the purpose of bringing out what's inside you know we read the scripture for we know that all things are going to work together for good to them that love the lord and to those who are the called according to his purpose so if we are the called then what he's working in us is going to work out for our good the problems we face are in reality opportunities for us to show the world who we really are children of god and overcomers jesus said i've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble i remember the first time i heard that scripture and didn't even know where to find it that was a long time ago when i was just into the lord just wanted a word and he said that to me he didn't tell me the scripture but i was walking and he said that to me i was like what i'm gonna have trouble <laughs> and then yeah so he told me beforehand before it happened right but he was with me. He gave me the grace to go through. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Meaning if I overcome it, you're going to overcome it too. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Through faith in Christ, we too will overcome the world. 
the apostle john says in first john 2 and 14 i write to you young men because you are strong and the word of god lives in you and you have overcome the evil one that's first john 2 verse 14. you dear children are of god and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world that's first john 4 and 4. you dear children are from god and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world for everyone born of god overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world only he who believes that jesus is the son of god that's john first john chapter 5 verse 4 to 5. we are overcomers in the book of revelation chapter 12 verse 10 to 11 it speaks of believers overcoming satan the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony well how could you have a testimony if you haven't had a test and passed it we must be tested we must be overcomers how often do we give testimonies about our good times usually we testify to what god has done for us in difficult times healing us from illness giving us victory over the enemy or bringing us through trials we never see the glory and power of god more clearly than against the background of trials and obstacles we give the testimony we never but we never look and see the background which is trials and obstacles from god's perspective there are no problems only opportunities to reveal his glory if we are yielded and obedient to him the pressure that he allows to come upon us in life will squeeze out the glory that is in us the bible says if you're willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land but if you refuse and rebel you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the lord has spoken it we want the glory to come out of us so let us allow god to squeeze the glory now if you have a lemon and that lemon you're trying to squeeze up the lemon it moving here and moving there and moving there and moving here and moving there and moving everywhere you have to get that lemon in your hand to be yielded and hold it cut it and squeeze every bit of the juice so i want the glory to be squeezed out of you i want it to be squeezed out of me so the world could see jesus in us the world could see the glory that he has put in us and now release out of the seed blessed be the name of the lord if you want to see the glory of the lord 
Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. If you want to see the glory of the Lord, lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Praise him in the morning, praising in the evening, praise him when the sun goes down. Praise him in the morning, lift up your hands and praise the Lord. So Father God, we just thank you for your teaching, Holy Spirit. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, pour it in us, Lord God. We want more of you, more of you, Father. We thank you for enlightening us. And Father God, the hearers of this teaching, when it reaches them, may they apply it to their heart and may they be not only hearers, but doer, doers of your word in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask you to, your divine protection over them, that your grace will cover them, your mercy and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and mind, Lord God. And I pray that the joy of the Lord will be their strength and that they would not look at the things that they see with their natural eye, but they will see you in the fire with them to squeeze the glory out of them we glorify your name we love you we praise you we honor you and until then this is apostle shirley evans saying i love you i love you let us continue to be the yielded vessels fit for the master's use and continue to pour love to others and to know that he love you. I love you. God bless you. Have a blessed day.